Hello and welcome back to the Word for Life podcast. Uh, My name is Anthony Scott. I am super excited and elated to uh, be podcasting here in the year of 2024. It is currently January the 1st and uh, I'm excited to be able to get the ball back rolling. I tell you, uh, my family and I kind of sat down uh, earlier in the week and talked about five things that um, we want to see happen in 2024. And at the top of my list was to be consistent with the Word for Life podcast, which uh, in coincidentally is exactly what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, today, we're going to dialogue and talk about two words, never quit. And uh, that's what I want to talk about today. But as we begin our podcast today, I want to ask if you would uh, please like and share and subscribe to our channel uh, so that the Word for Life podcast can be found in the massive database that is uh, podcast. Uh, Of course, uh, the more you share and the more you like, the more that the algorithms uh, are able to be seen. Uh, again in the massive database that is podcast and so if you would be so kind to like share and subscribe to make sure that every time an episode is dropped you'll receive that notification on your phone and you'll be able to podcast with us Uh, my plan is to be able to bring in guests this year to dialogue a little bit more and broaden the conversations if I'm being honest as I segue into what we're going to talk about today um, one of my greatest struggles is the struggle of feeling relevant. Uh, that's one of my greatest struggles as a man, as a uh, preacher, as someone who is gifted. Uh, one of my greatest battles is feeling irrelevant. And uh, again, this is precisely exactly how I want to begin our first podcast of the year with these two words, never quit. In the month of uh, October, I believe it was, I traveled to Memphis, Tennessee uh, to visit Bishop Linwood Dillard, who is uh, somewhat of a mentor to me. And while we were talking and dialoguing about ministry and growing and what that whole process looks like, He said to me uh, so many different things and I sat in different meetings with him and uh, we dialogued quite a bit. But there is something that stuck out to me that for the remainder of my life, I will never forget. So simple, yet so direct and so profound. He spoke to me while I was trying to ask him about strategies and ask him about Uh, innovative ways to grow and ask him about the infrastructure and ask him about business plans and ask him about getting loans and asking him about getting grants. He said to me, brother preacher, at the end of the day, never quit. And that stuck out to me so much and it rocked me to my core shook me and excited me uh, to a different level, to a different place. And really, I've just been on fire ever since. Never quit. And that's what I want to dialogue today about uh, during this podcast. Uh, the uh, Having the wherewithal or the stick to if you will, to never quit. 
I want to start by saying this. This is just what I believe. I believe that it costs more to quit than it does to keep going. I believe that it costs more to quit than it does to keep going. Because if you think about it, whenever you start something, whether it's a church or a business or a relationship or you have some kind of idea, every idea, every dream, every piece of destiny all starts with an investment. You can have no dream without there being an investment. Let me let me let me kind of rephrase that. You can have a dream. But if you start actively working towards your dream to watch it be fulfilled or come to pass, it is going to require some type of investment. Sometimes that investment is time. Sometimes that investment is treasure, which is money. Sometimes that investment is talent. Sometimes that investment is sacrifice. But every time you begin to chase after your dream or to chase after your destiny, we must understand that it is always an investment. And so that's the reason why I believe that it is more costly to quit than it is to keep going. Because when I keep going, at least I am getting something out of the investment that I've put in. When I quit, it is almost as if I have wasted my investment. I have wasted my time. I've wasted my talent. I have wasted my treasure because I am saying to all of those around me, I don't feel like I am worth it. And again, if I'm being very transparent, which is all I ever know how to do again, I struggle myself with feeling irrelevant. Who will miss me if I don't do it? Who will care if I don't speak? Who will care if I don't preach? Who will care if I don't show up? Uh, Will anybody miss me? That is a constant struggle that wars in the minds, I believe, of any dreamer, of anybody who is chasing after something. Uh, Because uh, it always appears that it is easier to quit than it is to keep going. However, what I want to talk about today is that I want you to consider this, that Whenever we start a thing and quit a thing, I want you to understand that you now become a missing piece to somebody else's puzzle. You become a missing piece to somebody else's puzzle. Uh, in, in other words, when when you cease and desist to do what you've been called to do, what your dream is, whatever you, whatever it is that you started, when you cease to do that, now somebody else's picture becomes incomplete because your piece is missing. Here is the here is the 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 reality of the situation is that that issue of relevance is because we have a hard time. Sometimes accepting the fact that it could be that only five people need what we have to offer. And the reality is the reason why we feel that way is because we know what resides in us. You know that your business can be beneficial and shake up the world. You know that your idea can change an entire generation. You know that your anointing and your calling has the ability uh, to help others push past how they feel and what they see. And the issue and the problem is, is that we have problems accepting the fact that other people cannot see the oil that resides within us. The issue is that we cannot understand how everybody else can't see in us what we see in us. 
And so what happens is, though, is that even though the stage may not be large and the opportunity may not be great, again, whenever you cease to do what you've been called to do or what you started to do, you now take out a piece of the puzzle. And now the few people maybe or the many people or however many it is, those people who look to you for inspiration and for motivation and for information, now what is happening is their picture is beginning to fade because your piece of the puzzle is missing. All right. So understand that whatever it is that you have to offer when others get it, it is a picture. While you are in the process of building it, it is a puzzle because it is not complete. And when it is not complete, the struggle is how do uh, I continue to go? Where do I find the motivation? Where do I find the engine to keep on going when I feel as though what I have to offer is not being accepted by those that I feel like should be accepting it? Muhammad Ali said this. Muhammad Ali said, I hated every minute of training, but I said, don't quit. Suffer now and live the rest of your life as a champion. Again, that's Muhammad Ali. He said, I hated every minute of training, but I said, don't quit. Suffer now and live the rest of your life as a champion. Here, here is the reality, my friends. We despise practice. And the reason we despise practice is because we are addicted to the feeling of performance. Oh, man, that's good. We do not like practice because there are no accolades in practice. Nobody applauds us in practice. There are no affirmations in practice. And so without those affirmations and without those applause and without that appreciation, that practice seems null and void. Uh, that dream seems null and void because you don't have the applause because we uh, have a tendency to be addicted to the performance of a thing. We become gamers. We like that game day feeling, uh, but that practice with those drills and going through the same thing every day, every day, every day, it's seems as though it is not yielding any results. However, when you perform, you get immediate and instant gratification because the moment I perform, I can see that all of my sweat equity is being appreciated. However, in practice, again, there are no applause. There is no appreciation and there is no affirmation. And so we have a tendency of going through the motions during practice. We have a tendency of going through the motions while we warm up, going through the motions while we are writing out our business plan. And sometimes the reason why the business plan or the grant is not being accepted is because you are not writing it like it's game day, but rather you're writing it like it's practice. Writing it like it's practice literally means I don't have the zeal behind the words that I'm writing because I don't feel as if this is necessary. But listen, my friends, you can never get to, to the next level of whatever your dream is without going through the process. <coughs> Here is what I want you to get and understand. Whatever every dream you have, every destiny that you are going after, hear me and hear me clearly. And I want you to repeat this wherever you're riding, wherever you're sitting, wherever you're working at. I want you to repeat this. It's 
going to cost me something. Every dream you have, every desire you have, it is going to cost you something. And the issue with many of us is that it's not that we don't want to pay the price. We want to pay the price while seeing the evidence of paying the price. It's, it's like going to the grocery store. You never go to the grocery store and you get up to the cash register and you pay for your items and then you walk out the store without your items. No, I'm paying because I want the items. <laughs> I'm, 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 the, 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 the entire reason why I am in this store is because I need these items. And I recognize and realize that the only way for me to get these items is for me to pay what it costs. That is no different, my friends, with your dream. You have to pay what it costs. There is no check. There is no layaway. There is no favor. There is no handshake and a Coke. It costs what it costs. And I think once we start understand that, understanding that, we'll put ourselves in a better place to understanding the process to success. Because the process to success is not uh, universal. In other words, the way that I might make it to my destination is not the same way that you might make it to my destination. For instance, I live in uh, Houston, Texas, or really a, a outer suburb of Houston, Texas called Spring. There are several ways that I can get to my house. I can travel down 45, exit one street, or I can travel down 45, get on, uh, hop on another freeway, come across, exit on the one street, make a left, and get to my house. I also can come all the way down 45, pass up that other uh, freeway, and go down to another street, make a right on that street, go down to another street, make a left, then make a right, then make a left. So uh, both ways will get me to my place of residence. Um, neither way is shorter than the other. They both take about the exact same amount of time and they both get me to my destination. This by and large is the problem with many of us is that we're trying to measure our road to success by who else we see. We're trying to measure our road to success based on how somebody else got there. And this is the reason why you have to be careful at who you look at. Um, when you're trying not to quit, when you're trying to be authentically who you are, one of the worst things you could do is map your life around the process of somebody else. Because when you do what they did and you say what they said and you write what they wrote and it doesn't work for you, you now become lost because you feel like, because it worked for them, it should work for you. But my friends, all of us have our own grace. My grace is not your grace and your grace is not my grace. You can get up, you can come to my church, which is Word of Life Church, get up and you can say one thing in the pulpit and the people might go crazy. I can get up behind you three weeks later and say the same thing and they might just look at me and clap because we have different grace. You might have a certain set of skills and experiences that I don't have. So even though I'm saying what you're saying, I don't have the experience 
Oh, man, I don't have the experience to back up what you're saying. So if I don't have the experience and the knowledge uh, and and having gone through that actual process, just because I said what you say, it does not mean I'm going to get the same results as you, because when you say it, it comes from a place of experience. But when I say it, it comes from a place of copycat. And so we've got to understand that everybody has their own grace. Uh, I want to I, I want to say this and admit this. Several years ago, uh, our, our, uh, my church now is getting ready to be 11 years old here in just a few days. We'll be 11 years old. And I started to notice when I started uh, my church, um, I would get frustrated looking at other individuals who were growing <coughs> whose churches were growing faster than word of life was, uh, at least appearing to. Uh, I would get frustrated with that because I couldn't understand why they were having success in an area and I wasn't having the same success. So what I had to do for my peace of mind was I had to guard my gates and monitor what I looked at because I started to get bitter and angry with God because I couldn't understand how everything that I was doing was coming from such a pure and powerful place from within, but yet I was getting no results. And then there were people around me who, in my judgmental nature, I felt like they weren't as as pure, but yet they were seeing much more success than I was. And so what I had to do was I had to stop looking at these different individuals and I had to stop looking at these different churches because I didn't want to be bitter. And uh, I was trying to find my own way of how to pastor my church and find my own way of how to be a businessman and find my own way of how to administrate all these moving pieces and find my own way of finding balance between my secular employment and my spiritual calling. And so that was difficult for me. So I had to pull away from looking at other individuals, individuals who were actually my friends. I had to unfollow them. I had to unfriend them. I couldn't see it because I was uh, their success was making me bitter. And the kind of person that I am, I don't believe in looking down on another person. It's not my character. My character is not hating on another individual. I want everybody to win. But in that winning selfishly, I also wanted to win. And when I noticed I wasn't winning, I was uh, harboring bitterness and resentment in inside internally against God because I couldn't understand why I was being so pure, but yet I was getting no results. And so then I had to guard what I was watching and guard what I was seeing so that I could remain pure. Listen to this, the temptation to quit is always present because external factors sometimes never yield enough evidence. All right. Uh, so we got to be careful uh, again at looking at the external factors uh, uh, of a different thing, because the truth is that when life and irrelevance give you reasons to quit, here's what you have to do. You have to remember why you started. I want to say that again. When life gives you a reason to quit, remember why you started. Um, I, w- I want to tell y'all this uh, again, pastoring 11 years and preaching 20 years now. Um, I, I When I first started with this uh, whole ministry thing, I did not start as a preacher. 
Uh, when I was in the fifth grade, my family and I moved from Colleen, Texas to Houston, Texas. And uh, we went to uh, an older church in Fifth Ward here in Houston called the Buck Street Memorial Church of God in Christ. When we got to Buck Street, uh, to my amazement and to my surprise and, 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 and to credit the favor of God, when we got to Buck Street, Buck Street did not have a drummer. And at that particular time, I was infatuated with drums. I wanted to be the best. I wanted to learn all the skills. I wanted to learn the rudiments. I wanted to learn how to be fast. I wanted to learn how to have good footwork. I wanted to learn how to have chops. I wanted to master the pocket. I wanted to know how to do everything. I was so hungry to play the drums and I never, ever, ever imagined that people got paid to play instruments. I had absolutely no idea that people got paid to play instruments. So I remember the first Sunday sitting on the front row with a black suit, white shirt and a red tie. I was sitting there and I remember looking at the pastor. Uh, he's going on to be with the Lord now, Pastor Pinkston L. Bell, uh, uh, like a grandfather to me. I looked at him as he was sitting up there and I asked my I remember leaning over to my mom and I said, Mom, can you ask him if I can play the drums? We were not members of the church yet. We hadn't joined. It was literally our first Sunday. I don't know what happened, but somehow or another, I was able to get on the drums. I got on the drums and began to play with the organist at the time. And I mean, I never looked back. Come to find out after playing for a few months, there was a lady there by the name of Sister Ken Ritchie. Sister Ken Ritchie brought me a uh, card. And in the card, she had $25 in the card. Um, and I got that $25, hugged her. I was so excited. I showed up the next Sunday, played the drums. Sister Ken Richie came to me again with another card, $25 in the card. The third Sunday came, I played the drums again. I was getting better. She came back to me again with the card with $25 in the card again. I was absolutely flabbergasted because I had no idea that just playing an instrument could get me $25 a week. I mean, I was over the moon. <coughs> you could not tell me that I was not the richest fifth grader walking through the halls of Benneke Elementary School. I mean, I was overjoyed. Here's where I'm going, friends. After 20 years of preaching now, after 11 years of pastoring, when... The burden of preaching and the burden of pastoring leads me to a place of frustration or writer's block or mental anguish or irritation. I always reset myself to play the drums. It looks like this. There are times when I'm, I am at uh, our place of worship and I'm sitting in my office and I'm studying and I'm studying for my sermon or I'm sitting in my office and I'm working on administrative things and I'm looking at all the pieces to the puzzle and I'm praying and fasting. God, what is the next move? What do we do? Where do we go? Uh, what moves do we make? Who do we talk to? Who do we do? Whenever all of those things become too much, I leave everything where it is on my desk and I walk into the sanctuary. When I walk into the sanctuary, I hop on the drums and I just begin to play. There is no audience. There's nobody there. I don't turn my camera on. I sit on the drums and I play the drums for about 30 minutes. What I'm saying is this back to my point. 
whenever life makes you feel like quitting. Remember why you started in the first place. Because I remember when I started, it was because I wanted to play the drums. I wanted to be a part of this massive celebration of glory and expression of the power of God in a service. Even though at the time I was only 11 years old, I wanted to be a part of it. I didn't understand what the praise was about, didn't understand the Bible, didn't know why they were dancing, but I just loved to play the drums. It was my passion. And so even right now, managing yearly budgets and creating budgets and jurisdictional positions and district superintendent and a father and a husband and a pastor and a coach at my job and all of these various hats that we wear, when all of it sits on me and weighs on me, I go back to why I started. I go hop on the drums and I play it out. And to my surprise, every single time I get off those drums, my mind suddenly clears up. I feel the peace of God flowing through me again. I feel like I'm getting my legs up under my body again because I've now reset my mental back to why I started. And it's no longer about the budget. It is no longer about the trustee board meeting I have coming up. It is no longer about the conference that I'm putting on and how I'm planning it. It is no longer about how much I have to pay the preacher that is coming in and how do I raise the money before it gets. After I get off the drums, none of that matters. Suddenly, my mind is clear and all I am thinking about is that I want God to use me. So I want you to employ that uh, strategy, my friends. I want you to do this and I'm, I'm, I'm going to get out of your way because I don't want to take too much time. Uh, whenever you feel like quitting, I want you to remember or I want you to uh, write down who's affected if you quit. And then I also want you to write down who's affected if you stay the course. Who's affected if you quit? And who's affected if you stay the course? Now, you got to take an honest assessment of this. You have to take an honest assessment of this. If you write down on a paper or in your notes or in your journal or whatever, you got you to gotta take it, an accurate assessment of it. Because here is the truth, friends. When you quit, again, there are other people that their life will dramatically shift and shake in your absence. And I know that sometimes you can't see it. I know sometimes you cannot feel it. I know sometimes you battle with irrelevance and what is my purpose? I'm giving everything to everybody else and it seems like I'm getting no reciprocity in return. I know, but you have to take that inventory of who is affected if I quit. How many people will be missing my product if I close my shop down? How many people will miss my words if I don't podcast? And how many people can I help if I put out at least one podcast a week? Oh, God, I'm, I'm letting y'all all in my business. <coughs> I'm letting y'all all in my business. And you guys pray for me with this cough. I was, I'm still trying to get over the after effects of uh, of the flu. But undoubtedly, uh, friends, the process can be skewed on this list because oftentimes the need for you isn't louder 
than the battle of internal irrelevance. Okay, the need for you is not louder and is probably never going to be louder than the internal battle of irrelevance. Here is why many people won't tell you how much they desire what you have to offer until you no longer offer it. Oh, man. It's not until you quit that people begin to tell you, oh, I miss you doing this or I miss you doing that. It's not until you quit that people tell you, hey, man, your words were helping me. It's not until you quit that somebody tells you, hey, I bought your product every month for the last five years. That was me. I was the one that you were sending it to. And in your mind, you're saying, I only got this one customer that supports me. And the problem is, is that the person that wants you to keep going isn't louder than the people that don't care. Man, that's heavy. That's heavy. And so the key is, though, is that we must never do it for them, but do it because you know there is value in you. Whatever you do, doing it for somebody else, it's never enough. Because if that person perishes or if that person's person changes their mind or if they decide that they want to move on to something else, your value cannot be wrapped up in who speaks highly of you. But your ha- your value has to be from within. It cannot be from without. Persistence, friends, requires a certain level of unbothered assurance in who you are, not what you offer. Who you are vastly outweighs what you have to offer. Because sometimes the people around you think that the value is it, but really the value is you. It's not what I bring that has value. It's that it's within me. I am the value. Matter of fact, I want you to say that right now where you're driving in your car. Go ahead and repeat that while you're driving. I am the value. Many of us don't realize that's the only reason your company is still afloat right now. Because you are the value. Mm. So friends, and I'm closing. I want you to be relentless in your pursuit of your there, T-H-E-R-E. Be relentless in your pursuit of there. What is that? What is what is that, Anthony? All of us have a place called there that we're trying to get to. There is when I have all the money that I've been asking for. When I have the clientele I've been trying to build up. When I've created this budget and I am meeting and exceeding my budget, that's my place called there. When I set out to do a plan and a goal and now I've accomplished it and mastered it and now I'm looking for more. That's your place called there. Be relentless in your pursuit to there and make sure that no matter what happens in your life through every loss, through every frustration, through every limit, through every issue, never quit. Be relentless in your pursuit 
to a place called there. Well, that's all for today, friends. I want to know from you if you could share with me in the notes what things would you add to encourage and to motivate somebody to never quit? How would you encourage them? What would you say to that struggling entrepreneur right now that is battling with irrelevance and they want it so bad, but they just don't feel like others care? How would you encourage them? What would you say? What would be the words that you would use? Write me, message me, DM me. Let me know how you would encourage them. Friends, again, as we log off here, I want to ask you if you would please, please, please like and share so that the Word for Life podcast can be found in the massive iTunes database that is podcast. Again, this podcast is featured on um, Apple devices. You can get it on Android. It's on several different devices. Wherever you listen to your podcast, please share Please like and please subscribe so that we continue to be discovered, so that we can continue to be discovered in the massive database that is podcast. Well, friends, that's all for now. I am so glad that you have chosen to join us for this podcast. It is our first one in 2024. And again, if you guys will hold me accountable and make sure that we can do this podcast at least on a weekly basis. I'm believing that something great is going to happen in all of our lives. I want to say, like I say all the time, friends, I know that you're going through different things in your life, but sometimes your greatest testimony in life is I don't know. I have no idea how I've made it here, how I've survived, how I've come through. I have no idea how, but I survived. That's all for now, friends. We'll talk soon.